0: So, we'll see. If you have a Bible, I invite you to open up to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. That's where we're going to be finding our story this morning. It's where we're going to be focusing. I don't know if this is the same for you as it is for me, but there's nothing like the holiday season to bring out... to the forefront of my mind, generosity. And I think generosity is just one of those things that matter. So this morning what I want to begin by doing is telling you a little bit about the generosity I have experienced here. So the generosity I've experienced from you guys. So I'm actually going to brag about some of you. Phil and Natalie, I've told you this before and most of you know it, but Phil and Natalie invited Lindsay and me to live in their house with Micah who was two years old at the time, and I know he's a sweet kid, I know he's a great kid, but still, to go from having a nice family of four to having, all of a sudden, two more adults and a toddler in the house changes the dynamics in a hurry. But it was extremely generous of Phil and Natalie to invite us into their house and never complained about us, gave us the entire basement, it was was great. A couple of years ago, it was our first Thanksgiving here, and Thanksgiving was the first holiday that we had experienced away from Texas. And where we lived in Texas, we were three hours away from our families, but three hours is something you can drive. So holidays we still spent with our families. So coming here, all of a sudden, that comes to an end. And that holiday, the Doherty's invited us over to celebrate with them. And we got to share a Thanksgiving meal with a family. Earlier this year, we were fortunate enough to buy our first house, which brings with it the problems that having a house uh, has. And so, Joey and Travis, who are our residential, you know, fix-it-all guys, they came over to my house. They brought the biggest tool that I've ever seen. It's a saw that cuts through concrete. It was incredible. Cut out concrete, replaced a pipe in the middle of my house, fixed it up within the night. That didn't cost me a thing, didn't know anything about it, just trusted them to do it and haven't had a problem since. That type of generosity is something that you remember. Twenty-plus of you volunteered to help move me across town without my wife knowing about it. And you knew that. Like, you knew that I was hiding that from her, and you still played along with me, so... I have experienced your generosity firsthand, and so I know many of you are extremely generous people. Um, Some of you are doing incredibly generous things this season, and I want to applaud that. I want to bring that to light. There was a group helping with Hope Academy in Minneapolis a couple weeks ago, and and Hope Academy is just a a really cool organization, school system uh, to begin with, But you should have seen all of the toys that they had for this toy drive that was going on. And if I had a picture, I would have put it up because it was incredible. But helping with this enabled families to give their children toys for Christmas at a reasonable price. Help them maintain their dignity along the way. That's incredible that you would help with that. A couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago at this point, there was a family in need who, one family in this church found out about, took the time to find out exactly what their needs were, and then rallied the church to help move this family from a situation where they were struggling into a brand new life situation. Like, that is, that's insane generosity. Some of you have invited people into your homes to live with you. Like, I I don't know about you, but I have to have space away from my family in my home. (laughs) And you're inviting someone not only into that space, but into the rest of your space as well. That's extremely generous. Recently we had Project Linus that was going on during the Christmas party that we do, and instead of, of having this night where we focus on gifts and focus on, you know, having fun together, we actually focused on serving kids with blankets, providing blankets for kids in hospitals. That's generous. Undoubtedly, there are those of you here who are extremely generous, and I don't know about it. I don't know what you've done. And so if you are a generous person, well done. I strongly believe this. God desires for his children to be generous. Do you believe that, church? I believe that God desires for his children to be generous. Now, I don't know if this is for you either. But this is me. When I think of generosity, I tend to think of the flip side of that as well. Particularly this time of year, when we watch holiday movies, particularly ones with Jim Carrey for some reason, which I tend to do, um, I think of greed as the opposite of generosity. Recently, I was able to watch uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas not the cartoon version. Actually, I've seen them both recently because that's how I spend my time. <laughs> but I saw the the uh, live action version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas and how he brings that character to life, and you know, thief, uh, greed, it, it all makes sense. And then later on, he they came up with the cartoon version of um, oh, what's the name of that movie? I, Can't believe, he's Ebenezer Scrooge, whatever. Christmas Carol, thank you. Again, I I said this in my class this morning. All I ask is that you read my mind. That's all I want from you. It's not that big of a deal. It's easy to think of greed this time of year as well. I told you I recently had the chance to be in Texas for a few days. Uh, My grandparents, all four of my grandparents are still living. So I had the opportunity to go be around them. My grandpa, who is 81 years old, is a caretaker for uh, this place, this two large houses, a giant piece of land on a lake in Texas. So that's what he does for a living. That's what he's done for 14 years. The man that owns that land is very wealthy. He owns an oil company. He owns, he's a CPA. He does all sorts of work in that industry. And in fact, he's actually an executive producer for a Martin Scorsese movie as well. So this guy is significant. Uh, in the world he has many homes several places including that one so the place that my grandparents take care of is this lake house that's meant to be a place for the family to come and gather together and have fun so this man and his wife have several kids and one of the kids was there recently talking to my grandpa they were shooting the breeze as my grandpa said When my grandpa told the man, it sure is nice that gas is less than $2 right now. Because it is, right? It is nice that he can go to the gas pump and fill up his truck. The guy who works for the oil company said, when gas is that cheap, we don't make nearly as much money. You really should want gas to be more expensive than that. My grandpa is 81 years old. And as tends to happen for some people, I'm not saying for everyone, so if you're getting close to that, this doesn't have to happen for you, but my grandpa seems to be losing his filter as he gets a little older. He responded to the guy, you must be dumb. (laughs) He said, I worry about pennies, you worry about dollars. I want gas to be as cheap as possible. And I know you won't believe this, but that's where the conversation ended. (laughs) It's easy to think of greed this time of year. It's easy to think of generosity on one hand and greed on the other. So that's where we come to our passage in Mark chapter 12. We're going to start in Mark chapter 12, verse 41. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. He is Jesus. Many rich people put in large sums. Poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. I want to present you with an idea that's not unique to me, but it's an idea that I believe in. I believe there are two layers to this passage, okay? There are two layers to this passage that I think we need to look at. I want to show you the two levels of interpretation that I see. Uh, And then, so the two layers are this. The first one is the one on the surface of the text. It's what we read in this story. So Jesus is simply sitting down, right? He's sitting down by the treasury, people watching. Do any of you people watch? Yeah, see? So, I go, I take Micah to the Mall of America sometimes, because he loves it. He loves going to the Children's Museum in one moment, to the Crayola Experience the next, like, there's tons of stuff to do there, and it's not negative 18 degrees inside. So, we take Micah there every now and then, and some places Lindsay will take him in, some places I'll take him in, some places we'll both go in, but that's not always the case. What we find ourselves doing from time to time is simply sitting down and people watching. Now, I don't know if you play any games when you do this, but I do. I like to pretend I know what their life stories are as I'm watching people. I don't think Jesus was doing that. I was just sharing with you an idea of what you can do. if Yeah, so... If you're ever people watching, there's an idea. Jesus is people watching here. And the people that seem to be giving, donating to this fund are wealthy people. I'm going to make you uncomfortable, some of you, by mentioning a couple names. George Soros. I don't know who this guy is, but I know that some people don't like him. George Soros is a man that we're probably uncomfortable with. but He's donated $8 billion to charity which blows my mind. I can't conceptualize what $8 billion looks like. I have no idea. Warren Buffett, a guy that might be more familiar with, he's donated $21.5 billion to charity as of 2015. That is a lot of money. Bill Gates, by most standards, the most generous person in the world, by in terms of amount, donated $27 billion to charity. $27 billion. How do you even think of numbers that big? Imagine for a moment you operate a charity. There's a charity that I've been interested in for a little while that helps dig wells in remote villages all around the world. And in doing so, they say that they can end all waterborne illnesses. They can provide no they they can provide clean water for everyone in the world. And the amount of money that they say that it takes to do this is ten billion dollars a year. Ten billion dollars a year. If you were in charge of that charity, who would you ask for funding? Who would you ask for donations? And yet, this poor widow walks up and puts in two copper coins. All these people have put in their money. And this widow who puts in two copper coins is impressive to Jesus. Now, before we start thinking ill of the people who give tons and tons of money, I want to be clear. Jesus in no way condemns these people for giving. Jesus has nothing negative to say about the amount or who these people are. Jesus is not condemning at all. He's impressed by this widow. Her personal motive for giving this money isn't clear. She gave what she had. And Jesus is therefore impressed. There's a quote that I've been wrestling with for the last couple weeks as I've been thinking through this. And I don't know if it's true or not, but I I think it's something worth thinking about. The true measure of a gift is not how much is given, but how much remains behind. The true measure of a gift is not how much is given, but how much remains behind. I told you that there are two layers to this passage, and I think on the surface layer, the call of Jesus is simple, it's clear. Be generous like this woman. Be generous like this woman. When we think of generosity this time of year, I think we think of giving like she does. And I think that's important. It's a message that we typically hear this time of year. Generosity is good, greed is evil, and it's clear. But I think there's something else going on in this story. I think there's also a prophetic judgment that we need to see. There's a prophetic judgment beneath the text. So, if you're still in John, uh, Mark 12, go back to verse 38. This is where we're going to start now. See what Jesus is doing here. As he taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses And for the sake of appearance, say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums, but a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Historically speaking, most scholars believe that the box that they're putting money into, this fund, is the poor fund. It's the money meant to protect poor people. And you see the contrast in these two stories that are back to back in these two proclamations. It's the contrast between the scribes and this widow. Church, I believe what's going on here is that Jesus is exposing an unjust system of greed within this culture. The very system that the widow is so willingly offering her last two cents to is under the control of these scribes who should be protecting her. If all she has is two pennies, she should be receiving from the fund, not giving to it. Church, I I hope this doesn't make you uncomfortable, but I believe about Jesus that he was a prophet. He wasn't only a prophet, but he was a prophet. And the primary role of prophets was not foretelling the future, but calling the present system to account, which ultimately cost Jesus his life. Below the surface of this story, in Mark chapter 12, I believe that Jesus is exposing that unjust system of greed. And scripture makes it clear that God meant... For the people of God to protect widows and orphans, and this system's devouring them. In Isaiah chapter one, verses 16 and 17, God is completely disgusted with Judah. He's calling for their transformation, and he says this to him. He says, "Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove all evil doing, uh, all evil of your doings from before my eyes." Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. It's part of what it is to be a child of God is to plead for the widow. James chapter 1 verse 27 says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Church, I could be wrong about this, and if you disagree, that's fine. You should read your Bibles for yourselves, but I believe that Jesus stood in direct opposition to the economic systems of his day. And if Jesus opposed an unjust system of greed then, what would he do now? If that is what Jesus was doing then, what would he be doing now? In the spirit of the discussion on generosity and greed, I want us to ask ourselves a simple question. What if the things we enjoy come at the cost of someone else's well-being? What if the things that we enjoy come at the cost of someone else's well-being? What if that diamond that you bought for your wife To show her how much you love her, to show her how much she means to you, costs someone their life. It's not a made-up scenario. It happens. What if that's the case? What if that chocolate bar that you're addicted to, that you got in your stocking this year, which you haven't opened yet? Maybe you have. I don't know was so inexpensive because the beans that were used to make the chocolate came from a modern plantation. For those of you sports fans, the World Cup in 2020 or 2022 is going to be in Qatar. What if the World Cup that you're going to watch and buy the app for and consume on social media and everywhere else... What if that came at the cost of hundreds of lives and the displacement of people who live there? What if the fruit that you had for breakfast was picked by illegal immigrants who were threatened with deportation if they asked for more than a dollar an hour? Those are big questions. I know it. If you're anything like me, when you hear those type of questions, I kind of shut down. Probably overwhelmed. We feel helpless. Church, I want you to take heart because I'm not calling for you to do anything drastic this morning. I'm not calling for us to all go stand outside the Capitol and demand something. What I am calling us to do is simply this. If you want to be generous this year, pray for eyes to see greed. Pray for eyes to see greed. Greed. If we have eyes to see, we will be able to stand outside the system that Jesus seems to be in opposition to, and we won't be slaves to that any longer. We'll be able to look at it with the eyes of Jesus. If we have eyes to see, when the time comes, we'll be ready to surrender ourselves just as Jesus did for someone else's well being, which is a Christ like act of generosity. Church, and I believe if we have eyes to see, God will call us to stand up for someone who is in need. And we'll be able to do so. Church, if we're going to be generous, (coughs) excuse me, if we want to be generous this year, we need to pray for eyes to see greed and then disengage from those systems of greed. And that's the message this morning. Pray for eyes to see and disengage. But before I hand it over to our elders, I want to give us an opportunity to be generous today. You may have seen on Facebook last night, we posted a picture with something asking you to bring some spare change if you have it. I've been in contact with some people at Union Gospel Mission in St. Paul for a while. It's a group that I want to partner with. It's a group that I want to get involved with. They do tremendous work uh, in the name of Christ uh, for helping people. They sent me this this week. They said, it's not even Christmas, and already we're waking up to harsh wind chills up to 30 degrees below zero with high snow accumulation in many places. The homeless often lack the resources to stay warm. Motels are not an option. Family or friends are non-existent. They're often alone, and in these conditions, that can be deadly. Your gift today could save someone's life. Just $1.96 is all it costs to bring someone in from the cold. Current wind chill can uh, cause frostbite in as little as 30 minutes to expose skin. If homeless men and women don't find warm shelter fast, some could die from the streets tonight. Yesterday on Facebook, we posted that picture. You saw it. Church, this morning, back by where Patrick's at, I put a little box. Patrick's at the back. Put a little box. I'm going to Union Gospel Mission tomorrow. If you want to drop some change in the little box, you're welcome to. If you feel led to donate to something else, that's fine, too. Uh, this is not something that our church has gotten behind in the past, and it's not something we're going to force on you now. It's just an opportunity. One day this week, tomorrow, I'll deliver it. If you have some other ministries you want to donate to or something else that you want to get behind, that's fine. This is one option among many. Many. If you feel led to donate to them, please do. Church, God desires for his children to be generous. Let us pray for eyes to see and disengage from where we find greed. Thanks. Thank you, Jordan. Last night I had dinner with someone who's working in South Africa.